This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast. I'm Marianne Matzo. And I'm Charlie Navarrete. So grab a cup of tea or whatever you're into at the moment. And thanks for spending the next hour with Charlie and I as we're going to, um, well, I'll do and tell you about Alan Roy, Ray West, Wilson, but Charlie's going to read a um, excerpt from some of his work. In the second half, um, I'm going to talk about going through the death of a child. And in our third half, Charlie's going to share a song. Solo mio. Not singing today. Oh. I thought I would sh- save you that much pain and sorrow. But, 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 um, but what if I do what if I do the Elvis Presley version? It's now or never. Da, da. Okay, I'll shut up. Yes, and, what were you and, saying? And and, and, mm-hmm. and what if you did? Okay. So, no, I said Charlie's not singing today. You didn't get that memo. I was thinking. I didn't get that memo. Yeah, no. So, we mm-hmm. thought we'd go with an old-time recipe this week, Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of John Wayne casserole? Well, that's right, Missy. Actually, I have. <laughs> yes. Come on. No, I really have. I, you... I, Where? Oh, I don't know. Some frat party back in the 70s. I have no idea. But I, I know I have. And I was shocked, and I, I think I dismissed it, and that's why it still sounds shocking today. Don't ask me what's in it, though, because I really don't, don't remember. Well, so that's that's a good segue, because depending on who you talk to, yeah. it depends on what's in it. Now, the original recipe mm-hmm. actually came from John Wayne, if you can believe it. I believe it. It has no meat in it. You know, um, and, and, and with it, came... it pe- people just have this image of Wayne as this, you know, lumbering cowboy. This is a very smart man. He really was, and he and he really came to really dislike that image that he was just some cowboy who couldn't walk straight and jump on horses and shoot people. That was not Wayne in real life. Continue, please. Sorry. Go ahead. Shoot. Yeah. It came from a um, cookbook. <laughs> That's what I get for spending my college years watching movies. Okay, go ahead. Your college years, your adult years, your old age years. Picky, um, picky, picky. All right. So it there was a recipe written by Lloyd Bridges' wife. Now, it, all it says no. is Lloyd Bridges' wife. Like, she has no name. So Lloyd Bridges' wife wrote this, <laughs> I guess, Wasn't recipe from Famous sh- People. And she said she got this recipe directly from the Duke. Now, sometime <laughs> over time, people have added like ground beef to it and like bisquick to it. But man, that ain't the recipe. We are giving you the real deal. Yes. Um, it has no meat in it. It's sort of like a chili relena, relena, chili relena. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Chili relena casserole. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Chili what? Relena? What, what the hell is that? that? You know how they make those stuffed chilies in Mexican uh, restaurants? Oh, 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 sure. Relleno. It's a, it's like a double L sort of thing. Relleno. In Spanish, and all you Spanish speakers, feel free to um, correct my pronunciation. Relleno. So relleno. Oh. Yeah, relleno. So to Americanize it, relleno. Uh, basically, is that something is filled. So chili relleno is just that, you know, filled uh, green peppers. Relleno. Well, yes. my knowledge, my knowledge mm-hmm. is now relleno. There we are. There you have it. It. Okay. 
So check out the recipe. Yes. I, I, so, I always thought I always considered Mrs. Bridges, not Lloyd Bridges' wife, but Jeff and Bo's mother. Oh, see, there's another angle. The poor woman has no identity of her own other than she wrote a cookbook and knows John Wayne. Which is up for me. I don't know John Wayne. <laughs> it's, yeah. I've never written a cookbook. Hey, maybe uh, we should do an Everyone Dies cookbook. I, I've seen John Wayne movies and uh uh, I've, uh, Lloyd Bridges is in one of my favorite uh, comedies, Airplane, which is now 40 years old. Air- Airplane came out 40 years ago. It's nuts. You know, I bet it's still funny. Oh, it's, it's, it's it hysterical. Um, I know in the past year I have. It was, it was crazy, though. There was one night, uh, I don't know, several years ago. You know, I was just up I flipping channels, so I went and I, I just I noticed a black and white movie, so I started watching it for a few minutes. I mean, this was like a serious, but it was a B movie from like the 1940. This was these folks were serious, and I thought, why do I know this dialogue? And then I realized this was the the basis of Airplane. I mean, Air- Airplane is based on this, and I don't remember the name of it. This old 1940s B movie is the same situation, but of course, without the without the humor, it was it was wild to see this really? thing. Yeah, it's a black and white huh. film, the middle of the night. I never some, even knew that that was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it, the case. Yes, they the the Zuckers bought uh, uh, the rights to whatever this movie is, and they just went to town with it. Forty years ago, though. That's funny. That's nuts. Wow. Uh, so what? What? What does this have to do with? Uh, oh yes. So yes, uh, Lloyd Bridges is in the film. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out the name of Lloyd Bridges' wife, but okay, we'll oh, get Oh wait, there. yeah. This is this is not fair to this woman. Hang <clears throat> on a second. Um, I have this thing. It's called the Google, and uh, let's see what uh, the internet. The internets. Yes, the internets. Not to be um, confused with the New York, you know, New I probably York could have been. I could have been nice and looked it up when I was writing this script. Yes, yes, you could I have. I figured it'd be more fun it, this it's way. Not, it's not like you spend all this time, you know, breaking your uh, butt over this script and I have nothing to do. That's not the situation at all. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. So during the show, you're going to do the work. Dorothy. Dorothy. Dorothy Simpson. Dorothy Simpson. I wonder if she's related to Marge. Or I was going to say, the Simpson. I was faster than you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, my my other thought was OJ. (laughs) But it's like, it's always about the winning with you. What is this? Um, They had four children? I thought they had three children. Well, they had four children. Hmm. Only two. How many boys? Um, Um... Come on, where I are know you? of at least two. Yeah, Bo, Jeff, and I know, you know, their sister. Um, but this has four, and I don't see... Uh... Is it Jeff who's sick now? Yeah. Or, uh, cancer. That, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah, and uh, I ran into, uh, again, flipping channels, um, the Big Lebowski, uh, like, early in the uh, week. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh... God, he is so good. There's a film. There we are. There's yes. a film. So, Charlie. So, uh, this yes. week I, 
I received mm-hmm. a Facebook message with a link to a song. And you yeah. know, on Facebook, you just never know what it's, you get a link, you never know where it's going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I took a walk on the wild side and, um, and went over to it. And the, the message with it was, um, you know, feel free to use this song. And oh. also, and it also said it's been 21 years. Well, so that intrigued me. So I went over to the song and I listened to this beautiful haunting song. Yeah. And I said, I I need to find out who this guy is. So I contacted the artist and I said, Hey, can I talk to you on our radio show on Passionate World Talk Radio? And he said, Sure. So he's up in um, Calgary, and then there's something about Saskatchewan in there, which made me laugh, because remember, what was that film where they kept screaming out, was it Saskatchewan? Was it like Uh, adults or, you know the one? No. Or maybe it wasn't Saskatchewan, and maybe it's just how I remembered it. But there's this movie with, like, Adam Sandler. Oh, and they say I, I was I was just going to ask you was it one of those National Lampoon movies? So it, 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 a no, it wasn't movie. a National okay. Lampoon. No? Okay. It was it was a you know like a and um, Saskatchewan. They meet this guy. I really uh-huh. think he's from Saskatchewan, but maybe he wasn't. But they all have dreams, and then that, I mean they all fantasize about the women do. And then that night when they're all having sex, they're all screaming out Saskatchewan. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's not even. <laughs> <laughs> the right city, well, but it's how I remembered it. Well, anyway, it, it, I digress. It, would, it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So anyway, um, so I had the time zone wrong, so I was like an hour early. So then I had a lot of extra time to um, figure out who mm-hmm. this guy was, and his name is um, Alan Ray Wilson. And right. so I kind of stalked him on the internet, and I found not only beautiful music, but beautiful writing. This guy can write. And so um, I had a great interview with him that I really suggest everybody listen to. But one of the things he wrote um, was in, um, it's called the Star Newspaper, and I'm not even sure where that is. I'm sorry, the what newspaper? The Star. Star? Oh, okay. Up in Canada, the date yeah. is September 17th, 2008. But if you Google Alan Ray Wilson, you'll find it. And it's called Nobody's Father, Coping with a Child's Death. And it's oh, okay. kind of long, the article. Um, it goes through the, the diagnosis and death of his um, son, Josh. So 21 years ago when his son was... 14, they found a um, a bone cancer in his right leg. And Josh went through two years of treatment and um, died January 13th, 21 years ago. He was um, 16 years old. And he was the only child of Alan and his wife. Uh-huh. And... Um, he just started writing music actually a couple of years ago about these things. And so I thought what we would start with is just an excerpt from Nobody's Father, this article that he wrote. And um, the very 
first line, first line is <clears throat> part of what I really found fascinating. So Charlie's going to read that for us. Focus on these seven words for a moment. Bereaved parents have an indifference to life. Psychologists and psychiatrists who have no direct experience with such a loss would prescribe medication, analysis, counseling. They believe the indifference indicates suicidal tendencies, but that is not the case. It is a sort of lifelong tiredness. As one bereaved father said to me, I just want to lie down beside her. I know what he means, and I know him well. He is energetic in most things, a good father for a surviving child, and a responsible husband. He will not purposely give up living. But if his life should end soon through no plan of his own, he wouldn't be overly concerned. I returned to teaching after several months, initially nervous about resenting healthy, obnoxious students who had every physical advantage but weren't living up to their potential. I hid the brief times of anger. Over the years, I have found myself becoming a better teacher, reaching out to the students more than ever. I wrote a book to guide them, Standards of Excellence for Students of Life. Sandy has had some difficult times, as all bereaved parents have. She loved being a mother, was so good at it, and then it was taken away. There was nothing to do. The doctor did their best, and only the fantastic luck of having an x-ray of my son's leg four months before a diagnosis could have possibly saved him. The tumor was already six inches long when they first saw it. After many stops and starts, she has found providing daycare to little ones the most fulfilling. She volunteers and keeps socially active. We are more respectful to each other than we were before the diagnosis. I know of the hurt I went through, and everyone grieves differently, but I know her pain is equal to mine. Whatever she has to do to maintain equilibrium to get through the day is acceptable. Although this half-life we have is quieter and emptier, in some ways we are now better at living together. And so it comes back to you, dear son. Here I sit in the quiet of the study, surrounded by books, tapping away on the keyboard, looking around the room and counting the photos of you. More than a dozen from your short, brilliant 16 years. This mountain of hurt and loss is now part of my landscape. I think of you often, your jokes and, and smiles and friendship. I can imagine part of you is in the delicate light of sunset at the unseen edge of clouds, beyond even the clouds I can see. I will keep going, teaching, writing, and trying to help others. Just as you bravely lived 22 months with a deadly disease, I will try to turn this into a meaningful experience. And one day, I will lie down beside you. Please go to everyonedies.org for a link to the complete poem and the recipe and additional resources for this program. Um, send us your questions, anything else you want to tell us. You can email us at mail at everyonedies.org. It's M-A-I-L at E-V-E-R-Y, the number one, dies.org. Join our Facebook group and uh, remember to 
to rate the podcast. Isn't you know, that an incredible piece oh, that of is. writing? Um, oh, my God, to have to. Not, not have to, but when you're writing it, I, I imagine you, you know, this, this poor guy just went through it again. Just, you know, the emotion and just, just brought up all that. Yeah. And then, and then he is, his album has, has come out mm-hmm. and we'll, we're going to, we'll listen to um, one of his songs and we'll talk about that also. Um, but he's an incredible guy. A lot of links in our podcast, guys. So go and you can read his his stuff and listen to his music. He's very open and giving and, and kind. So in our second half, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to spend some time talking about the death of a child. And this will be uh, the beginning intro to a series of um, topics about children dying. And um, so this one's a little bit longer and a little bit more kind of general. So I hope you stay with me because it sets kind of the stage for the other ones that will come. Um, So the death of a child is is a life-altering event for parents. It's, um, it leads to a, a grief that's just our own. It's intense. It it's long lasting. It's it's not going to go away. Um, that grief affects all of our relationships, and as it's sometimes seen as our as our role within society, parents can find grief isolating due to society's lack of understanding of their own grief experience. You know, sometimes people will say, "Well, just get over it, just move on," and parents who've lost a child be like. What the heck are you talking about? That's just not how it works. Um, professionals are now acknowledging that the parental need not to let go, but rather to reconstruct a relationship with their dece- deceased child in terms of the continuing bond. You know, we say all the time, death ends a life. It does not end a relationship. Mm-hmm. Very we true. We have right. that relationship with yeah. that child forever. Also, the death of a child goes against the natural order of life. The young are supposed to outlive the old. We are not supposed to bury our children. That's against the rules. And somebody needs to get that darn memo by now. (laughs) Um, Some people have more intense grief um, with the death of their child than they do of their spouse or their parent. The death of a child can be experienced as the death of the parent's future dreams, Hmm. as well as creating a profound change in their present roles and functioning, increasing in the instance of suicide and homicide in adolescence and random acts of violence in our society have increased the risk of traumatic stress responses for bereaved family members. You know, Charlie, the whole process of conceiving, giving birth, and raising an offspring is shared by all living animals. But for us as humans, the experience of this process adds many elements of the psychological, the social, and the meaning of what it is to go through each of those experiences. At various stages in the life cycle, men and women relate to child conceiving and child uh, rearing roles is central to their existence. Some people 
you know, like as little kids, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mommy. I want to be a daddy. It's not true for everybody, but Mm -hmm. for some people who like, that's what they're looking forward to. And then to lose their child is like, that's been my lifelong dream and it's gone now. Of the bonds formed within the family, the parent-child bond is not only particularly strong, it's integral to the identity of many parents and their children. I was talking to my daughter the other day about grandchildren. She said, you were born to be a grandmother, mom. (laughs) I said, really? (laughs) Born to be a grandmother. I said, was I born to be a mother? She said, oh, yeah, that goes without saying. But, you know, like, you have to have grandchildren. <laughs> and I thought that that was so yeah. interesting because in my own sense of self, yeah. I don't see myself as been born to be a mother or born to be a grandmother. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah. it, I, I just found that fascinating. Parents of children and adolescents who die are found to suffer a broad range of difficult mental, mental and Physical symptoms, as with many losses, depressed feelings are accompanied by intense feelings of sadness, despair, helplessness, loneliness, abandonment, and a wish to die. Parents often experience physical symptoms such as insomnia or loss of appetite as well as confusion, the inability to concentrate, and obsessive thinkings. Extreme feelings of vulnerability, anxiety, panic, Hypervigilance can also accompany the sadness and despair after the death of a child. Grieving parents might be angry as part of their normal reaction to the loss of their child. This can be expressed as intense rage or chronic irritation and frustration. It could be directed at the spouse or other family members, at God, at fate, or even at the dead child. Anger can also be directed at themselves, creating feelings of self-hatred, shame, worthlessness. There's little doubt that most persons respond with emotional and physiological distress following this loss. The bereavement response is mostly that of readjusting and recalibrating our psychological attachment to and what often becomes a preoccupation with that child that has died. As a parent, there's a continued investment in the relationship with with the child that um, can become neglected. Now, grieving your child's death includes both how your body responds, the relationship with your child, Because, as I said, that relationship is going to continue. Mm -hmm. Death does not end the relationship. So there's two parts to this bereavement response. And and this is something that I don't see talked about very often. So let me tell you about this. The first part focuses on how people function generally. And in the case of a loss, it focuses on... (laughs) <laughs> that had way too many S's. <laughs> I'm sorry. It focuses on what is with me. It focuses. It focuses no, on yeah. how functioning is affected following death. So let's kind of go through these. Um, there's a degree of anxiety and depressive responses. 
that um, are triggered by the death of that child. Um, looking, if you have other children left, either not wanting to care for them or being hypervigilant about you not leaving my sight because I don't want anything to happen to you too. There's um, what are called affective responses in terms of how we um, feel, and those are things like guilt and helplessness. There's how your body feels, like you can't get out of bed or you can't take a shower or you can't eat anything. There's um, psychiatric symptoms, including, you know, like orientation and mental status. Are mm -hmm. you able to, things that you've always been able to do, you know, like, and now. Yeah, yeah without thinking. Like, just, how, yeah. how does that work? I, I can't get this to work. Yeah. Or symptoms of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, they can be full-blown PTSD. It could be in partial forms. It could be suicidal ideation. I spent a long time, Charlie, on Facebook sharing our work. And I re I, I'm in a, a lot of these child loss or grief forums. And these are, th these are all things that I read about pa pe parents who say, I, I just want to die. I just want to go and be with them. And what I want to say to you listeners is that you have that feeling and that's a normal feeling. Right. It's normal to feel it. But acting on it and is another thing. And so that's a separate thing. And if you feel like, no, I'm really going to do that, that's where you need to get help. But if you're just laying there thinking, I just really want to die, that's that's a normal kind of feeling. Yeah, it's normal. It's natural. Yeah. Um, a loss of self-esteem, you know, here you were, you know, this, you know, this great kid was your kid, you know, main star of the basketball team or whatever, and it's gone. You know, that role in terms of being, you know, Josh's mom or Josh's dad is gone. Um, your ability to work and to perform major life tasks the management of family relationships, including relationship with your spouse or partner, to other children, to extended family. People still expect you to act in your role that you have. Yeah, and exactly. you're not supposed yeah. to miss yep. a beat. You're not supposed to miss a beat. And they don't understand. And that's why, um, you know, when, when he talked about in there about being particularly kind to his wife, Sandy, I'd asked him about that specifically. It's like, how, how are you still married after the 21 years? You know, their, mm -hmm. their bond was Josh, the one right, child. Right. And he talked about how he knows what she went through. And so he's very tender with her mm -hmm. and she's very tender with him okay. Okay. because they understand yeah. the loss. And, and he even said that sometimes people will stay together because there's nobody else in the world who had like in his case, those 16 years with Josh to mm -hmm. share that experience. Right. So if they divorced and they went, you know, separately, separate ways, like, right. they lose another part of Exactly. Josh. Yeah. It's another loss. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the nature and degree of involvement with friends um, other than family. I mean, you know, it's just how much energy do you have and do you have energy to go be with friends? I mean, I know even when I had kids, just kids, I didn't have energy to do anything, but, right. you know. Yeah. 
do that. And then, and then also too um, with it, there are you know as you mentioned, friends and even family members who will sometimes put their what they feel should be done that uh, they have an, an image of what a grieving parent or anyone grieving the way they should be behaving, um, you know, and and sometimes unconsciously, but in my experience, other times consciously as well, just try to impose their beliefs on basically, you know, this is, you know, you should be grieving this way. Um, you know, you need to get out. Uh, you need to do this. You don't have to talk to that person. You, it's like, no, people grieve in their own way, either surrounded. Mm-hmm. Some people need a lot of people around them for support. And others don't just some quiet. Time. And you don't. And it, yeah. And if you're more of that outgoing kind of person and you think, hey, you should, you know, you should talk about it. Doug, gonna talk to me about it. And if you're, you're with somebody who doesn't want to talk about it. Exactly. Everybody right. ends up really frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is when you find out who your true friends are. You can just turn to that person and say, you know what? I, I hear that. But yeah, that's not for me. That's that's not what I need right now. And they respect that, and good, but not but not everyone does. Yeah. Well, it's because you know you want to help, you know, quote unquote help, and we're not, you know, it's sort of like, hey, I love you. Let me bring you a birthday cake, and you say, yeah, but I'm vegan. You know, like make me a vegan birthday cake, and I'll eat it. But you know, but I want to make you this one. You know, right? It's like you got to bring the right kind of birthday cake, yeah, right, and, Charlie? And that doesn't fly. It, you right? know, if some someone's grieving. That doesn't fly. It's not. It's not about what the cake you want to bring me. It's that I don't feel like eating a cake right now. So, right. yeah. Or you put mm-hmm. eggs in it. Um, and make sure the frosting is nice and fluffy, preferably chocolate. Um, but a nice uh, coconut okay, so coconut we- frosting. Uh, with a lemon lemon cake. Oh, yes. Sorry. So, so yes, yes, yes. So the other side of it, the mm-hmm. other side of grieving mm-hmm. is it focuses on people are involved in maintaining and changing their relationships with significant others. You don't go through the death of a child and have everything stay the same. True. You know, your mother... Your mother has lost their grandchild. You know, your siblings have lost, you know, a niece or a nephew. Everything is going to change. And so this focus on the bereaved parents' emotions, their memories, their mental representations as they relate um, specifically to the deceased. So what am I talking about here? The, the, it's the degree of preoccupation with memories and thoughts of the deceased child. Um, the extent to which the description of the deceased is characterized by an inability or unwillingness to express personal feelings brought on about, about the death. Um, how much idealization there is of the deceased. I was always fascinated in newspapers, you know, representations of, you know, a kid that got hit by a car or whatever that happened. And they were the perfect student and the perfect neighbor and the perfect child. It's like, it's, it's very normal that when somebody dies, they're, um, the day-to-day things that irritated the crap out of you are forgotten. Exactly. Yeah. they, (laughs) they, they, They become idolized. So, yeah. 
So that's a normal kind of thing. Um, report of psychological conflicts or um, contradictions in the relationship, those things are gone, you know. Mm -hmm. um, how much positive affect and emotion you're able to bring in terms of talking about the child and also on the other side of it, how much negative. I mean, some people are able to say, yeah, she was, she was, she was a great kid and, um, you know, gosh, she bugged the crap out of me half the time, Here but I loved yeah. her. Yeah. And there are some people who can't bring themselves to say, mm -hmm. yeah, she bugged yeah. the crap out of me. Yep. You know, nope, yeah. she was perfect. She is perfect in every way. And anybody who's listening is like, well, yeah, I, I kind of remember she bugged the crap out of you. But, you know, it's sort of like, are you able to have that balanced picture of your child? Um, the degree of closeness or distance from the relationship and your experience with the deceased. Now, you can have children that die that um, live in another part of the world, live in another part of the United States that you've you've ha you see once a year if you're lucky. Right. So that's kind of different. I mean, you still grieve and yeah. all of that, but that's kind of different than if it's a child who is right in your neighborhood and you're seeing you know, twice a day. But then also with because, that, even if the kid is, uh, you know, in the neighborhood a couple of blocks away, but you don't see that, you don't see your child regularly, either because there's work or there's just has never been a close relationship. I mean, that, yeah, you could be closer to a child who lives on the other side of the planet than someone who lives two blocks away. It just, it's just the nature of the relationship you had with your child. So also the effective experience when discussing the deceased, like a parent might say, um, I, I always feel guilty thinking about how my son died. You know, like there, you know, like we did that show on death related to, um, to drugs, right, you know, right, right, it's such right. a, a difficult relationship. And, you know, like you think, oh, I, I, I tried or I tried, you know, fill in the blanks, tell them not to drive so fast or whatever. Um, and thinking that sort of magical thinking that, well, if I'd been a better parent, he mm, or she would right, still right, be alive, right. which is yeah. Bunk. absolutely not true, right. but we still think it. Um, the presence of previously described grief, um, like the shock, uh, looking for reminders of the, of the kid that died, disorganization, and finding a way to restore a coherent life flow, meaning you've got to be able to live in the world. You've got to be able to do your job, to take care of the other children, to, if you have aging parents, there's, there's, there's things that we eventually need to go back to right. and finding our way back to it. And it, takes time. Nobody's, nobody here that everyone dies is telling you, you got to just get over it and move on. Nope. We're going to talk about what you need to do is find a place for that child in your life. You're going to still love her. You're going to probably still talk to her. You'll see things in the store that you'll say, oh, she would love this. Um, and maybe you even buy it and you donate it 
somewhere where, you know, a girl would like that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, you don't stop being their mother and you don't stop being right. their father. Right. The um and and as you were saying that I, I suddenly of course I thought of a movie. Um when uh no. near the near the end near the end of when you were saying that, you know, you you still have to, you know, get up, you have to go to work, you know, other kids to, you know, um to deal with when, you know, near the end of um Casablanca where you know, you know, Bogart uh, says that uh, what is it? The the uh, the prob the problems of uh, three little people in the world. The problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of bean to a hill of beans in this crazy mixed up world. It's like, yeah, the the world keeps going on. It doesn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like you say, life keeps going. Everything keeps going. It's it, you can't get off. You can't stop the planet mm-hmm. and jump off. Yeah. As much as you think it would be so much easier, and yeah. it maybe yeah. it would be easier. Yeah. Maybe it would be easier. I mean, you need to you need to make time for yourself, but but, but yeah, the plan is going to go on. So that's it. Mm-hmm. Another aspect is the manner um, that your child's memorialized, um, both publicly and within the family. Um, so, you know, did you? I had a friend who's. Baby died very soon after she was born. Mm. And what they did is at their other child's daycare is they built a library. Oh. And, um, you know, they the daycare gave them a room and they put in nice bookshelves and bought all these, you know, cool kids' books and mm. painted it. And it became that library. You know, that's a way to memorialize your child. There's... Yeah. Trees that you can plant. There's all kinds of ways. Um, Alan was talking in the interview that his wife, Sandy, um, he says she's very open about Josh. And so when they meet new people, which they, you know, they do all the time, she'll, you know, somebody says, so do you have any kids? She'll say, yes, I have a son, Josh. He died when he was 16. It's just a fact. It's like, I've got, I've got two daughters and here's how old they are. You know, it's like she doesn't pretend that Josh was never there. Right. Josh was there. Yeah. And and if it makes the people she's saying it to uncomfortable, that's going to have to yeah. be their problem. Exactly. Yes. And not hers. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a series on deaths of a child. You know, there's lots of ways that kids die. If it's through disease or through traumas or stillborn or um, sudden inf- infant deaths. Sure. Um, because you, know, you, you could suddenly get hit by a car crossing a street. It's, it's or some, something also yeah. violent. It just, yeah. Up, I'm going to yeah. put that under trauma. Trauma, okay. So, so how we grieve that child is very, very different. It's very different to lay your three-month-old baby down in her crib for a nap and go and find that She's dead when you go oh, back in. Jeez, I can't. Ugh, can't imagine. That's that's a very different experience. Yeah, so that's we're yeah. going to talk about each of those. Um, we're going to break it up because you know that's it's hard for both of us, our, our loyal listeners. It's hard for both Charlie <laughs> and I to to talk about this. Um, so throughout our series on death of a child, we're going to talk about things that can help. 
Um, in bereavement, the degree to which an individual is able to integrate their loved one's death into their life story and into sort of the broader meaning um, is thought to relate to recovery. To be able to say, this is my child, this is my experience, and I love her and I miss her, and, um, you know, now let's go get lunch, is sort of like, you know, we talk at Everyone Dies about normalizing death. Right. Well, along with that is normalizing the death of our child or or whoever else, our pet, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not equating children and pets. But um, to say it's, you know, it's okay to talk about people in our lives who've, who've died. Right. And yeah. to be able to to sort of share that with other people. And that's how, um, and that's how we recover. Um, they have these intensive camp or retreat experiences or one day workshops, um, with follow-up services in the community that are very helpful for, um, parents who've lost a child. So Mm -hmm. look in your community, see if there are those, those things. Often they're through hospices. When I worked at the hospice in, um, New Hampshire, they would have um, what they call oh, they called it Camp Phoenix. Uh, I think maybe twice a year, and they were long weekend camps for parents and surviving children. And they'd have activities for the kids and activities for the bereaved parents. And they're so incredibly healing. And also combinations of professional and self help leadership in groups. Having someone who can listen to you with empathy and patience, and empathy and patience, we need t-shirts, Charlie, that say that, because mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, that that is so difficult. Now, get over it and let's go, sh-, you know, no, it's the patience of, let me tell you again about the last month of my child's life. The patience to listen to that story, because it's in the telling of that story that we begin to heal. You'll find that the story can get shorter and shorter and shorter um, as we don't have to share every exact detail. Yeah, you had earlier said— that's part of the healing— yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you're, yeah, you're saying healing now, which I agree, because a couple times earlier you'd mentioned about that helps in the, in the um, how did you put it, to recover. And I thought, no, because I, I imagine, maybe I'm wrong, I can't imagine anyone ever um, recovering from the death well, of think, a child. Think about, but, think about the word recover. Recover is getting something back, getting back your peace or getting back your ability to do your role. You know, I'm not talking yeah. about get over, but you know, you, you can, you know, think about somebody who's had a stroke, they recover, but then they have rehab and they have all kinds of things. They're never going to be the same again, but they're not on the brink of death mm. as you are at the very beginning Oh right, you you, you 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 adjust. You you deal with it in the you way recover. you 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 need yeah. to deal with it, and you know you adjust. But you say yeah, potato, but I say potato. Yeah, it'll always be there. <laughs> and I'm sorry, this camp that that you talked about is called Phoenix, where people can go and um, talk about. So in New Hampshire, 
in yeah. New Hampshire, yeah. the hospice I worked at, usually these things are part of a hospice, but not always. In New Hampshire, ours was called Camp Phoenix. Okay, I, and I they get. Would I go to yeah, but for me, Phoenix. I I I always think of the, you know, the the eight the mythical phoenix which rises from the ashes. So I mean, yeah, to, to, you, to to me to me it sounds strange because it's like your your child's you dead. are riding. Yeah. You. It's not the child that's uh-huh. rising from the ashes. It's you. But I'm it's not dead. You. You're not bring- But but the the. But uh, when first, you first uh-huh. lose your child, you yeah. feel as though either you are dead, or you oh, want to be dead. I see. And so you're kind of in that. For some people, nearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see postings on Facebooks where people say, "I finally took a shower." Oh wow! Okay. So. It's, it is, and to kind of then rise out of that rubble of, of grief and to be able to say, I can now put one foot in front of the other. I can now fill in the blank. Yeah. It's not literal, Charles. Well, no, I didn't think it was literal, but it just, (laughs) the the name just didn't, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't fit, but okay. No, but no, but I do see what you're saying. Yeah. So, combinations of professional self-help leadership in groups, somebody who listens with empathy and patience, and um, having validation that your unique grief experience is your unique grief experience and how you're going to respond to it and how you're going to deal with it is yours. And there's not a right way. There's not a wrong way. Right. Yeah. There's your way. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's our first pa- part about child grief. Do you have anything you want to add or ask me, Charles? Mm, no. When uh, as you were speaking, diff- different thoughts came up, so so I brought them up. But uh, no. I, how many? Um, I know, for example, when you spoke a couple of weeks ago about strokes, there was one about left side stroke and right side stroke. What? So with this, um, what? Like, how many like areas or, or topics do you do you have? Oh, well, I, I I haven't really kind of written them all out, but you think oh, about okay. SIDS is one, miscarriage is another. That's a whole other oh, oh, animal, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Trauma, traumatic death, you know. Like a kid that drowns, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. There's at least three. Okay. I suppose you could even talk about younger kids versus older kids. Yeah. Yeah. We've already talked about death from an overdose, which, you know. Yeah. And if our listeners have a particular thing that I haven't mentioned, please let us know. We're always happy to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. Yes. So, Charlie, Mm -hmm. are you ready to introduce the third half? I am. So, um, what, you know, as Mary mentioned uh, earlier about the, about the song and the CD, I mean, the inspiration behind the CD uh, and the title track came after a conversation Wilson had with Toby Boulay. Uh, who was another parent grieving the loss uh, after his son, Logan. Um, 
Marianne, do you remember that accident a couple of years ago in, um, um, uh, it was basically, it was, uh, you know, 16, Saskatchewan. Um, no, I don't remember. I just remember the horrible accident. It's like, ugh. there was, I, th- um, I think actually it was in Calgary or somewhere yeah. up there. Right. But basically yeah. his, um, uh, Boulay's son, uh, Logan was, uh, one of the, uh, people killed in the, uh, in that bus crash. Um, I think there were like 16 people. Now, wasn't that, and his son wasn't was one, that one of like them. A, wasn't that like the, they were hockey players, right? Yeah, it was something. They, ki- they were all I kids would, yes, that were I, out to play yeah, hockey for the. To play or coming back for this hum- game or whatever, but it was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, hum- the Humboldt Broncos was the right. name, I think, of the. Um, yeah, it was. The Humboldt, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so after um, you know Logan died, um, you know uh, his father just part of his grieving process was to uh, was to write, and um, so uh, you know. Oh, I know actually, that after, Charlie. Yeah. Can I just say, Logan? Logan didn't write the song, so. Oh, right, Alan yeah. wrote the song, and Alan and Logan, the dad. No, excuse me. No, Toby. Logan, Toby, Toby. right? <laughs> we are like such an old married couple. Toby, <laughs> Toby is is the dad, right? And Toby and Alan had worked together, right? So they knew each other. Yes. So after Logan died in the bus crash, Alan called Toby, sort of as a condolence to- call, right? And in that call, Toby said, I just want him to come home. Mm. And so when Toby said that, Alan, the guy that I interviewed, said, I feel that way too. I, I just want my son to come home. And so I guess that churned around in his head for a while and he was thinking about you know starting to write some songs himself and um he got back to toby and said can i use that what you said in a song in a song right and right toby said yeah so the 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 song and the album is called i just want you to come home yep and what Alan did is he was telling me, Charlie, that he had always, he had been in bands. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you ever hear band stories, but they can be difficult. And so right. when he decided that he was going to do this album, he decided that he would just get friends to be in different songs. So this oh, one, this, okay. I, I Just Want You to Come Home is I think the guy is, I didn't write down his name, but he, I think he's in the symphony orchestra, plays the um, cello. Cello. Uh, cello. I love the cello. cello. This is a, such a mournful sound. Oh, cello, yes. You'll you'll have to click on the link for this. This okay. is a beautiful song. So he got this friend from the symphony who plays the cello in this song, and then he's mm-hmm. got like other friends who do another song with horns and another size. So each of the song, none of them sound like one band they're all different which i think is pretty cool too 
So um, we, we have the, the links to the song. The song is, um, I just want to come home. I just want you to come home. Right. And so now we get to listen to it now. Great. The slowest melody ever. A twisting dark river sliding down, 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 down. All the faces fading away. The laughter yesterday now hurting, 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 hurting. Don't want anyone on this road to feel like this. Don't want anyone on this road to be with me. I learned to live with it day by day and put it. Put it away I just want you to come home The deepest harmony ever So natural like a shadow On the ground moving around, around, around But the blue sky slipped away The shadow vanished that day and now the hurting, 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 hurting. Don't want anyone on this road to feel like this. Don't want anyone on this road to be with me. I learned to live with it day by day. with it 
by day and put it, put it, put it away. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. Our thanks to our executive producer, Major General Retired David Gillette, our producer Sandy, John, our technical advisor, Tom Hartman, our administrative advisor, and our friends, family, and our loyal listeners who are supporting our work at Everyone Dies. This is Charlie Navarrete. I'm Marianne Matzo, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Remember, every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion, are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.